Hello everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Game Point Pod. My name is Fata, and I always got my co-host Yezin with me. Talk to me, brother, what's poppin'? Oh, what's poppin' is tonight, the night of we're recording this, national championship game, Gonzaga versus Baylor. And listen, I know we talk a lot of NBA talk on here, but boy, that Jalen Suggs can ball, woo-wee. Yo, that was nuts, and that's something that we're going to talk about later on, but man, I know what's going on with March Madness. Even like, for example, I was watching some of the women's basketball games, and they've been absolutely bonkers end-to-end, and I don't know, maybe uh, with NCAA finally putting something together to pay their own players, <laughs> I think might uh, might get them a little bit more energized more than anything, so it was good content to say the least. They deserve it after after these two uh, after these two tournaments. I mean, if you saw that the women's tournament went down to the wire, and oh gosh, if you saw that last possession, just you know, person wide open in the corner and and pulling up for oh, it's just 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 a perfect storm of just like unbelievable competition, and and you know, college is so fun to watch. You know, a bunch of amateurs going at it, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to say the least. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding, but. For real, though, this week in the NBA has been awfully strange, to say the least, man. Like, we got a lot to talk about, primarily off-the-court issues, which just set this up for a very interesting episode. You know what? I'm going to take your suggestion, and we're going to call this an all-beef episode. <laughs> all-beef. All-beef. No buns. Just straight yeah. patties. I know I know. nowadays, being in 2021, I know a lot of people are vegan, but this is not going to be a vegan-friendly episode, I'll tell you that much. But nope. <laughs> Not at all. You know, let's get to it. You know what time it is. Isn't that right, Stephen A. Smith? <laughs> what do you think? You heard the man. Let's drop the beat, will ya? week's segment of run that we'll address the elephant in the room which comes off the nba off-court landscape and that is a massive beef between kevin durant and michael rapaport dating as far back as the season opener where kd was interviewed by the tnt crew and as charles barkley asked him a question kd simply shunned him in replying you know kevin uh that was talk about you coming back for the playoffs last year so you really just been working on your game Trying to get back your timing and conditioning, really, be, to be honest, correct? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, that set some alarms and resulted in Michael Rappaport calling KD out on social media for simply saying, do not do the interview if you're not going to answer the question. KD being KD, of course, addressed Michael Rappaport via DMs on Instagram, and things start to escalate pretty quickly, to say the least, with threats being made, as well as someone's wife being mentioned. Michael Rappaport then decided to leak the DM exchange and that put Twitter and other social media platforms into a whirlwind where Katie was fined 50K for using derogatory comments and now getting to the meat of this, Yazin, what are your thoughts on the exchange between the two and the result being after the fact? Oh my God, you love to see it, man. You love to see it. I mean, I love me a good off-the-court beef between two people. I mean, especially, especially coming out of Brooklyn. You know, it just the dysfunction there in Brooklyn is is just 
even more exemplified. So going back to that Charles Barkley interview, I watched it. And KD, listen, I understand that these guys just play their games. I understand that they're tired. But they have a media obligation. You know, when someone's asking you questions, you have to answer them. You have to go to press conferences. You get fined if you don't go to press conferences. Ask Marshawn Lynch. He's just there so he don't get fined. But when it's Charles Barkley, one of the 50 greatest NBA players of all time, a, a legend, and, and you kind of disrespect him like that, I can understand why Michael Rappaport kind of got a little, you know, mad over that. To pref- all, you know, all, all that to say Michael Rappaport is an absolute clown, and he always has been an absolute clown. I actually used to like Michael Rappaport. Uh, he used to be this huge Knicks fan. He was actually pretty funny. Some of his comments, you know, when I, people notice when I call KP Tingus Pingus, uh, that comes from Michael Rappaport from a video that he posted. Uh, but recently, he's become just completely incessant. He's he's pretty much a Brooklyn Nets fan now, which is just like very, you know, very annoying for someone like me. And then to kind of continue to go at KD, and then KD came right back at him, man. KD did not hold back. And I don't support anything that KD said. He, you know, said a lot of things that were really derogatory and should not have been said. But also, Rappaport broke the, you know, the the code of of posting his dms you know uh screenshotting and posting it and uh, then it that's the point where he got fined katie got fined 50k for this and then michael Rappaport released a video saying i didn't want this to go as as it did it went out of hand of course it went out of hand like like that was exactly what your intention was so to me katie has a thin skin I don't think he's built for this, man. He's he's built to play basketball, sure, but he's not built for everything else, man. He's not. LeBron can just let things, you know, kind of slide off his back. Kobe, Kobe didn't give a damn what people said. MJ didn't give a damn what people said. KD takes everything to heart, uh, and that's gonna hurt him in the future, man. That is not that is not a good trait to have. But the thing is, though, I'm not gonna lie. I kind of like the side of KD. It just adds a little bit of spice and content to our social media timelines. You know what I mean? Like with all this. First it was the burner accounts, and then now, like, you know, I remember he said something really crazy, I think, on Twitter, I want to say maybe, like, 10 years ago, talking about he would drink Scarlett Johansson's bath water and, like, shit like that. And then now he's dealing with Michael Rappaport, who is ultimately the biggest troll on Twitter, one of the biggest, mind you. And just echoing your point, I personally think the exchange between Katie and Rappaport shouldn't have been exposed to begin with. I believe you deal with things as men in a private setting, if that's the case. And because they're, they've been chatting in private, the expectation is that they should be handling it privately as well. And considering that KD ain't no random troll account, there's repercussions when you're sharing this type of information on social media. Because when Michael Rappaport did share those leaked DMs, it's regarding a high-profile athlete. So, obviously, Michael Rappaport should have known better. But at the end of the day, people, I think, really need to understand who Michael Rappaport is. And he's a troll. And he just the way he responded to this didn't shock me. The fact that he leaked these things. Like, no. you know, I don't think he meant it to, to get pity. Because I don't know if you saw today on Undisputed where he was interviewed by Shannon and Skip. And at the very beginning, he was talking about how, oh, I've been ridiculed by the people I see day to day. They would even pet my dog and things like that. And then all of a sudden he switched it up. He's like, oh, I was just joking. Like, this shit doesn't bother me. But I understand I should have handled it better. But you could tell there was still some kind of animosity amongst the two. And that's fine. You don't have to be friends. But there has to be, you know, if things are handled privately, 
handle it as such. You don't have to take it the extra mile and put a, a blossom privately. It's not like someone from their basement is tweeting at Michael Rappaport. This is Kevin Durant. So obviously there's going to be a big blowback on the social media aspect of things. Yeah, but people need to know for people who don't who aren't familiar with Rappaport, Rappaport is he's he's an instigator. He's always been an instigator. He 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 pops off he pops off at the mouth. He has a podcast. You know, he, he comes at people like it's like it's nothing, you know, like this is his job because people will listen to him and then when he says something spicy, he'll get the he'll get the views, he'll get the downloads, he'll get the subscriptions on his podcast, he'll get the Twitter followers up. That's what he does. KD should know better, man. KD should know that this guy is a grade A clown. He's he's a vault, he's a culture vulture first off. People know this about Michael Rapport, all right? People should, you know, KD and guys like this should know what they're getting into with this guy all he does is talks man go follow him on, on on twitter better yet don't follow him on twitter actually just look at his tweets and all of them are just are, are calling somebody out or are saying something bad about someone you know he goes after everyone he doesn't leave anyone unchecked and for katie to to go into the dms and he took the bait man he took the bait and that's why i think that is a it's a very bad character flaw for KD where yeah I like that he's you know a little spicy sometimes and like you know he defends himself and you know it it is it does make for great television and hey look we have a whole topic on a podcast to talk about it now but when when you think about the the person when you're in the limelight like that and you just you can't take criticism like that and you go off like that and it, it has to be, you know, water off a duck's back, you know, like you can't take that stuff to heart. You're a professional athlete. People are going to talk smack to you. And a lot of these people are going to try and make money and, and, and get views off of talking smack to you. So, you know, you got to be smarter than that at the same time. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, there's learning lessons on both sides, but, you know, obviously things are out in public now. Katie suffered the ramifications of, you know, taking responsibility for the words that he has said through Instagram DMs, things of that nature. Michael Rappaport getting backlash for breaking the quote unquote bro code. So I'm sure they're both suffering in their own ways. But again, you guys are both grown ass men. If you want to, you guys are dealing with it privately at the end of the day, deal with it privately. There's no need to blast them on social media or in a public landscape. But at the end of the day, like you mentioned, Michael Rapport is that guy. He will take it to the lowest level because that's the person he is and that's the persona he has on social media. It's up to KD whether he wants to bite the bait and deal with the repercussions later on or just man up and just allow it and ignore it and move forward. So learning lessons for both sides. Yeah, Rap, you're you're a dork, man. You're a cornball. Get out of here. Go. You're a Brooklyn fan. Just embrace it. Why are you going after the Brooklyn's top star? You, you've officially revoked... Your your Knicks license, your Knicks fans license. You you talk all the smack about the Knicks, and now you're gonna go after you know the new team that you're courtside at. Get out of here, man! Nobody wants you. Nobody wants you as a fan. Nobody wants to hear from you. Like God, yeah. it's like unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see how things turn out with this beef. I'm kind of hoping that there's like a a little twist into this, but I think this is probably the last remaining uh item with regards to this beef the next beef that we like to talk about beef number two that needs to be addressed is the issue between jj reddick and the pelicans management just to give you some context at the beginning of the season jj reddick has expressed interest in going back home and playing for any team in the tri-state if he were to be traded and the pelicans management had agreed and in fair terms to ensure that if they were to trade him then they would give him, you know, the opportunity to go to any team that's closer to his house, right? 
as the trade deadline was looming, there were rumblings that J.J. Redick would be bought out. But as a surprise, the Pelicans traded J.J. Redick to Dallas, which is not New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania, to say the least, without a heads up or nothing. J.J. Redick decided to put the Pelicans management on blast, stating that their front office is unprofessional. So with that being said, on this particular beef, I understand both positions, right? For J.J. Redick, at his point of his career as a vet, he has earned that respect of the locker room and the front office to make things work. In other words, if he is looking to be moved at a certain time to be close with his family at at his tail end of his career, I expect that the Pelicans or any team that he is on should be able to honor that and find a way to make things work. Now, on the flip side, as a front office, I can see why they did what they did. Because at the end of the day, your sole focus is to not make people happy, is to put the franchise in the best position to win in the future. J.J. Reddick's trade may not be the quote-unquote moving piece to make sure that they end up becoming a winning franchise again but you know the front office probably found a better deal right and they wanted to get an asset back for you know JJ Redick still has some something left in the tank with the shooting ability especially joining a contender I think it was rumored that he was going to join the Brooklyn Nets after he's been bought out so I could see why the front office did what they did because at the end of the day it's a business but you know there has to be a common ground to have trust in your players and the players to have trust in you and i feel like the trust that they had with jj reddick has been compromised and jj reddick rightfully is allowed to be upset at this matter because in the beginning they did have an understanding you know at the start of the season if i do end up getting moved please move me to the tri-state which is new york new jersey or pennsylvania but it did not happen he's in dallas even though he's in a good situation you know getting paid tax free dollars it's still not close to home and it's still not something that he wanted. So I can see why both sides feel a little bit hostile with regards to the scenario. Yaza, what do you think about that? Oh, this is, this is music to my ears. Uh, this, uh, you're right. You, you hit the nail right on the head. Like this, this has to do a lot with trust. And I think this is a a bigger issue than people think it is. Uh, I think this is a damnation on Pelicans management, uh, and the Pelicans have not had a great track record of keeping stars. We saw what Anthony Davis did a couple of years ago. They weren't able to put a good team around him to compete. They weren't able to keep him around. And we, we, you saw the Lonzo Ball saga where Lonzo Ball rumblings are, were, were abound that he, he didn't like playing in New Orleans. And I think that has more to do with the team than, than the city, really. And, and not even the talent that's on the floor. I think it, it has to do with management. Management there in New Orleans... It's not the first time we've heard that they're they're not the most player friendly uh, and that they don't necessarily have the best direction. And I think this is going to have very negative implications for the Pelicans, especially with that young star in Zion Williamson, who, you know, there's nothing keeping him in New Orleans, really, you know, long term. He could he could turn down a qualifying offer whenever he becomes a uh, restricted free agent, which is, you know, a couple of years from now. But this this isn't good if if already you you see veterans like JJ Redick who knows what he's talking about is is speaking out against them it's going to be hard to retain all these young stars Lonzo looks like he's on his way out next year they just wrapped up BI but i mean who knows doesn't matter if you sign a uh, a large contract you can always be traded Zion is still on a rookie deal and if he's not happy then everything is going to fall apart so New Orleans has to me, I think big problems on their hands. Yeah, for real. And I mean, they did 
signed, I think who it was, David Griffin to be the president of basketball operations not too long ago, maybe two two years ago, uh, when they, I think the year that they drafted Zion Williamson. And, you know, with all that plethora of youth and talent, somehow there's still no direction with this franchise. So I feel like, you know, with Zion's future pending in, in the next few years and also being able to be a free agent attraction could be looming and could be in the limbo. So it's up to the Pelicans management to gain that trust back with their players again and at least build that trust by showing the direction of where this franchise is going. And then that way, bringing in talent and being able to be an attraction for other players will help change the face and the reputation of the front office in this entirety. So I do understand both sides. It is a business at the end of the day. Also, at the same time, you want to be able to satisfy your own vets to have that two-way street relationship. So um, this is not the first time, like you mentioned, that the Pelicans have done this. Let's hope that they change things for the better in the near future. All right. So that takes us to our beef number three, our last beef. Let's talk about Carlton Towns and his long historic beef with Joel Embiid of the 76ers. The question is, did Carl Anthony Towns get some redemption the other night with that poster on Embiid? So, Yazan, I'll kick that off to you. What do you think about that? Oh, my God. This is the year of just disgusting posters, man. If anyone has seen this poster, I mean, Embiid has his arms out wide, you know, like that Creed song, you know, with arms wide open, you know, like Carl <laughs> like Anthony Towns just just straight up baptizes him just it was it was a beauty to see and it was the beginning of what was to be a very chippy game between these two guys uh two guys drafted a year apart top centers in their respective drafts you've seen that uh Embiid is yeah he kind of has like a a wild streak to him where he's he's braggadocious I guess would be the word I like to use he's charismatic and and you know when 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 it comes to big men, he he dominates, and you, we've seen he has an MVP season. And I think he hated that another big man was encroaching on his, uh, you know, his domain really. And Carl Anthony Towns is that guy. You know, he's often overlooked uh, when it comes to uh, to big men because he's in Minnesota because the team has been so bad. Uh, I mean, he has been injured as well. But to see them, and there was a flagrant foul in there. Uh, those two guys were hugging, not hugging it out. They were. You know, it was really just big meat slapping meat. You know what I'm saying? Pause. Like those two guys were going at it. So I'm really hoping that this might be our next big, you know, big men rivalry here in this new age of not a lot of big men, you know, really dominating like they used to. So now now we're going to see like, you know, we had what Shaq and, and, and Duncan going at it. We had guys, you know, in, in the 90s, you know, going at it. It's something that we haven't seen in a long time. And I'm very excited to see. Yeah, the one thing is it sucks that they play twice a year. Uh, you know, if if Carlton Town somehow makes his way down east, you know, <laughs> that would be now. pretty interesting to see. And Tom Thibodeau, oh, make the call. God. You yeah, know. I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's gonna happen. I can't, I can't envision seeing Julius Randle and Carlton Towns on the floor at the same time. I don't, I don't know if that's gonna work with the spacing because I don't. Know, it's, K- it's Kentucky tough. boys. Yeah, yeah I guess Kentucky I boys, guess. man, they got that connection. It's all listen. If you want to see it more than twice a year, make the call, Thibs. Make the call. <laughs> yeah, but um, 
with this beef, Carlton Towns, I remember it went as far back as I believe, you know, two two years ago, where Carlton Towns, I think, got into a little scuffle with Joel Embiid, and they end up getting ejected. And I remember Carlton Towns' mother, God rest her soul, was literally yelling and heckling at Joel Embiid as he exited out of the arena. And I remember, like, it got real personal. So, you know, just thinking about that and just thinking about Carlton Towns finally getting a bit of redemption with that poster on Joel Embiid, I think will um, revindicate this this beef and on an even level playing terms. And hopefully if Carlton Towns, like you mentioned, ends up moving down east, then that's going to be a whole nother level. So uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to kind of seeing, you know, the beef amongst big men again. Because when you look at other elite big men like Rudy Gobert and Nikola Jokic, they don't have that kind of persona where they're like, what? Elite? Okay, elite. elite? Elite defensively. Actually, yeah, let me take that back. My apologies. I can't I can't talk about a guy who averages 11 points per game making $200 million. Shout out to Shaq uh, to call him elite. He's, he's an elite defender, okay? But when, when I'm talking about, you know, you know, the best big men in the NBA where, you know, they don't have that persona, you know, when you're, we're looking at back in the day with guys like Shaq and others who were willing to go back-to-back and talk all that junk and, you know, add the theatrics to it. You know, we, we're, we're dearly missing that game. And especially with the aspect of social media, it would definitely elevate it to another level that we'll never see. But don't go to the next, man. Go somewhere don't else that will be benefit of your career. Wait, listen, you you want a rough and tumble? You want a tough, uh, tough team? This is what the NBA needs. The NBA needs two big men to play. Everyone is always asking, oh, you know, Shaq is one of the you know, NBA is soft. You know, they're, they're just all soft now. If I played in the NBA right now, all this stuff. Listen, this is what we've been asking for. You've been asking for guys to get chippy. You've been asking for guys to go at it. You know what? As long as it's on the court, we're not talking about KD going off on, you know, on social media. We're talking about guys on the court going at it. That's the beef we really want to see. Uh, and especially when it comes to big men, because these big guys, listen, they, they can't really hold back much. Like, you know, they hog a lot of space on the floor. They're, they're required to play defense on, on multiple positions. Uh, they guard the, the paint really. So to watch them go at it like this is what the nba needs you got you old heads out here you know talking about oh my god this day this day and age is too soft this day and age is too soft okay well here you go here here are two big guys going at it duking it out you know this is what we want to see and and i really want to see it long term and you know what it that probably does require carl anthony towns to make it out of minnesota it doesn't seem like you know he's going to be playing be playing in a lot of meaningful games out there so Whatever it takes to get him onto a team that will we'll see guys like Embiid over again. We'll see guys like Jokic. We'll see guys like uh, Bam Adebayo, and you know these these big guys who are who are, who are dominating you know the NBA. Let them battle, man. Godzilla vs King Kong just came out last week. Like we need more of that. We need more of those battles in the trenches. Are you done with the the Knicks propaganda marketing scheme here? Or Cat to Knicks. Cat to the Knicks. <laughs> I'm putting it out there in the ether. Oh manifesting it are you gonna add a fourth beef between you and i now what's going on bro <laughs> oh this has been the beef. this is Let's why go. we have a podcast this is why we have a podcast <laughs> i love it i love it all right let's end the beef talk right now let's head on over to ao moment of the week hey yo what the f- so my ao moment of the week actually goes to a game that happened over the weekend and that is the shot with jalen suggs of gonzaga who hit one of the most miraculous shots we have ever seen in march madness tournament 
sending the UCLA Bruins home. Rightfully so, he celebrates passionately as he does his own version of the D-Wade celebration, you know, jumping on a table. But to me, the funniest AO moment part was he was getting hyped and screaming at cardboard fans, you know, like it just goes to show that, you know, with 2021 and with the stupid pandemic, a guy can't celebrate a miraculous shot with real fans, you know, at least a full jam-packed stadium, because in a perfect world, that would be a sold-out game. And the fact that he's able to defend his perfect season alive with a half-court buzzer-beating shot, only to yell at cardboard, is just so unfair for such a young prospect like him. So either way, I found it comical and good for Kinzaga for keeping the perfect season alive and advancing to the championship game against Baylor. Yeah, I mean, oh, that moment needed a crowd, man. That oh, that we would be talking about an all-time moment if that had a crowd. I mean, you look at some of the other shots. Christian Leitner uh, for Duke. You had Chris Jenkins winning the championship of Villanova, which I think is the greatest moment in in NCAA history. My dream as a three-point shooter. That is literally my dream. Right, buzzer beater to win the national championship in front of a sold-out crowd. That is pull up three. Pull up three. Nothing better than that. But Jalen Suggs' shot, I mean, it came out of nowhere. Johnny Juzang tied it up, you know, with with a great move in the post, got his own rebound, put it in. Uh, and you can't there's nothing you can really do about that. You can't foul. Shout out the to guy. him though. Shout out to him. Like he he had a fantastic game. And I feel like the future mm-hmm. is bright for that young fella, man. He was playing oh, with yeah. a dog out here. Juzang was out here, man. He he was he carried that Cinderella team. They're an eleven seat. People forget they were a Cinderella story and they made it that far into the final four. So uh I could have easily have seen them in the national championship. But uh you know what? Shout out to Suggs for for putting that shot in. I mean, there's nothing like I said, there's nothing you can do about it. You got you can't really defend it uh, you don't want to be too tough on it and you know draw the foul guys pull up and get those foul calls all the time so it was great if we had a crowd but uh we're going to be seeing that guy in the nba next year and uh i can't wait to see what team he falls to because i think he's a special talent and it's going to be fun to watch him no, but, no uh, doubt no doubt but what, my, what was your AOM of the week my AOM of the week was another buzzer beater but it was uh the the worst kind of buzzer beater it was Marcus Smart against the New Orleans Pelicans there was 1 second left on the shot clock for the Pelicans so Pelicans really didn't have much to do and it was a uh, a a jump ball at center court uh, so the Pelicans backed off the Pelicans were like okay well we have 1 second left doesn't matter if we win this jump ball it's, we're going to get a shot clock violation. So Marcus Smart actually wins the uh, tip. He gets the ball from the tip. And he thinks that they're the ones who have a shot clock violation, the Celtics. And he throws up a shot from half court and airballs it and basically just gives the Pelicans another <laughs> possession. Bruh. Uh, I don't know how you could oh, not man, understand. That. How do you not know your circumstances that poorly to not know that it's not your shot clock it's the other team's shot clock you can see brandon ingram in the video he just has his hands over his knees because he's like this doesn't matter we're just we turn the ball over it's done and he just gives the ball back to him steven adams celebrating everyone's like yes like what a dumb dumb move by marcus smart not living up to his last name by the way well let's be nice let's be nice we don't have to go there i mean you're not wrong but you didn't have to say it i mean good lord uh, and then you saw Kemba Walker kind of give him the business like, bro, are you kidding me? Like, did you not know that it was their possession and that, you know, they're the ones who had the shot clock violation coming up? So just a complete bonehead play. That's a Shaq in a full moment. That's my AO moment. Where it's like, 
listen, Marcus Smart, that's your last name. You got to live up to it, dude. You got to know that's not your shot clock, man. It's not yours. Yeah, I wonder what happened on that ensuing play. Did the Pelicans end up scoring on that following possession? Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, I I just know in uh, that one possession, uh, hopefully it didn't sway the entire game. Uh, yeah. I got to double check what the result was. Uh, but if they had lost by two, boy, that, that would have been really bad. Yeah, no kidding. Well, Marcus Smart ain't so smart after all. All right, so that wraps up our AO moment of the week. Let's head on over to our games of the week. I love this game! <laughs> so I'm going to keep it short and sweet here. My game of the week is the showdown between number one versus number two in the West, and that is the Utah Jazz versus the Phoenix Suns on April 7th. Only separated by three games, and if the Suns are successful, that's a big game taken off the lead. So once again, I'm looking forward to see what the Suns have, what it takes to dismantle this red-hot shooting Utah Jazz, because I mean... They're hooping. Both teams are hooping at a very high level. It's going to be a complete show-stopping game. How about you? Oh, no, that's a good one. And two teams who you would have not have thought have been the, the number one and number two seeds in the Western Conference going at right? it. Like, that, that's a surprise, and I, and I love it. Um, if I'm going to go with a, with a game, I'm probably going to go with Friday night, the Hawks and the Bulls. Uh, you know, we had discussed, Ooh. I think, last week how uh, the Bulls – are now they have to prove it right they have to show it and now with with Vucevic in tow we saw that they actually beat the Nets uh yesterday any game against a team that's within that four to ten range is going to be important and the Hawks are on fire since they uh hired Nate McMillan to be the full-time coach and uh they fired Lord Pierce and now to see if the Bulls can can make it up there watch Levine versus Trey Young and you know Vucevic and John Collins like we got to see if those two teams are Eastern Conference ready. They've been you know, creeping at the doorstep, and now they both put themselves in positions through trades, through free agency to like really try and compete now. And uh, I, I, I love it when two gritty teams we're, – we're getting into the nitty-gritty of the season here, guys. Like this is – you know, we're getting close to the witching hour where we're, we're in April now. We have less than – we have about a month to go left in the season, a month or month and a little bit. These games are very important. Uh, so Bulls, Hawks, that's that's where my eyes are going to be. Yeah, no doubt. Because I actually watched uh, a bit of the, the Bulls-Nets game. And I'm really liking how Vucevic is playing with these uh, newly energized Chicago Bulls. And, I mean, they definitely need some veteran presence down low like him to kind of open up the floor and allow Zach Levine to hoop like he always does. And now that, like you said, we're in the thick of things, we're on the tail end of the regular season where every game matters, that's going to be a big game. You know, the the Hawks and the Bulls are roughly around the same area in the Eastern Conference playoff race. And literally every position is important. Every basket is important. Every shot is important. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing both those games. It's going to be a dandy, that's for sure. Oh, we're, we're getting into it, man. NBA League Pass, if you don't got it now, you should. Should by now. Yeah. Or crack streams. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> we do not endorse. We do not endorse. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's a pandemic. I know people's pockets are hurting, so you know where to find your streams. If you know where to find your streams, continue doing so. Yes. Well, let, let's, let's say that. Let's Disclaimer. Leave it, that. <laughs> leave it at that. All right, so let's wrap up Games of the Week and head on over to Blog Boy Talk. So all your blog boys and fanboys that's going to use everything I say and create an article, yeah. watch a basketball game. How about you write that?
It's funny, you know, when I'm hearing the Blogboy talk theme song, just think about KD and how <laughs> upset he was about hearing about Blogboys and now talking about Michael Rappaport earlier in the episode. It's just, it's just funny to me. Like, just the biggest Blogboy. The Blogboy. Yeah. God. But, uh, but we do have two questions here that we'd like to discuss as part of the segment. The first question that we have is an interesting question considering where we are in the season, and that is, what teams do you think moving forward will lean towards tanking at this point of the season? You know, obviously there are teams that thought that they were in the mix and now they had to come to a point where now it's post-trade deadline. What decisions do you need to make? Do you call it a day and start tanking or do you try to push your way into the, into the dance? And for me, it's hard to answer only because of the play-in tournament. To me, that makes things easier due to the fact that bad teams do get an additional chance to make the playoffs. But if I do have to choose some teams that could potentially be in the mix to tank, it probably goes as follows. I got the Washington Wizards. Obviously, you know, they have two superstars and somehow, some way, they still haven't progressed from where they, where they were last year. And due to the injuries and people in and out of the lineup, I still don't think it's an excuse with, caliber players like Bradley Beal and Westbrook to not make it to the playing tournament, but they're about, I think, a few games behind. They still have a way to make it, but I don't think that's going to be the chance. So I would say the Wizards, the Raptors are somewhat in that bubble as well, but they're a lot closer than the Wizards. I think they're about a game or two behind the playing tournament. And I feel like they're more of a complete team than the Wizards at this point. So, again, it's all up to Masai and Bobby Webster and the front office to determine whether it's worth just tanking and getting a top four, top five pick. And then building from that standpoint, considering that Lowry's going to be walking as well, perhaps. So that's something for the front office to think about. I also got the New Orleans Pelicans. Like I said, day in, day out, I always thought that the Pelicans were going to be a playoff team or at least a bubble playoff team. And they live nothing close of that. You know, obviously the West being as tough as it is right now. And, you know, considering even like the Warriors being in the mix, which I didn't really expect, it puts the Pelicans as the odd man team out. And same thing goes with the Sacramento Kings as well. Those two teams, I feel, should, again, go back to the drawing board and figure something out. But I think it's more than that. I feel like it's more of figuring out where the franchise will be going as a direction. Right. Uh, you got to be able to plan a road back as to where do you want to see this franchise going? And I feel like those two franchises have been in a complete spin cycle, not knowing where to go. So I feel like they should pack it in. Wizards Raptors are still somewhat of a hands reach to the playing tournament. But again, just to sum things all up, the playing tournament makes it easier for bad teams to get in. And it's kind of hard to answer. But th- those would be my answers if that was the case. Yeah, you uh, you nailed it. With the play-in tournament, it makes things a lot different because now you have two extra spots to 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 make. But you named pretty much every team that I had in mind, and and if I had to put one on top of the other, like if I had to pick one Eastern Conference and one Western Conference team, the Raptors would be my top Eastern Conference team. I think in in a in a draft where there's a lot of talent up in that you know front end of the lottery, uh, and and the Raptors, you saw that you know they they had a bit of a like a half of a firestorm really where it was like you know they got rid of norman powell they got rid of a couple other players just to you know make space and to to just recoup some extra draft picks but i think the raps their window is officially closed on a championship i don't think that's 
a surprise to anyone. I think with Lowry kind of on, on the way out, the youth movement has to take over there. Siakam has to be that centerpiece. Uh, Fred Van Vliet has to be part of there. You know, I think it'd be more beneficial for them to just completely tank and get into the lottery, a place that they haven't seen in a while. You know, like how enticing is a guy like Cade Cunningham right now to start at point guard for uh, for the Raptors or or Jalen Suggs? We just talked about him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, or Mobley, you, you, like or, or Evan Mobley, yeah, with the USC, you know, to to play next to uh, to Siakam. So. There's a lot, Jalen Green, you know, who plays for the Ignite, Jonathan Kuminga. So there's a lot of really good, talented players in this draft. And, you know, with the play-in tournament, some teams, it's kind of enticing for them to be like, you know what, maybe I should just try and play for a playoff spot. But I think it's much better to just try and play for, you know, a higher lottery pick. So the Raptors would be my team out east. Out west, I would go with Golden State. I mean, listen, Clay Thompson's out for the year. When you have Clay and Steph and Dre and everyone healthy – that's a championship team. That's a playoff team, you know. And you add guys like uh, Wiggins and uh, and Ubre and, and Wiseman, young guys, you know, complementary players uh, who can do their role. I think this season should be like last season, just be a wash. Like they you know what they 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 finished out last year really badly. They got Wiseman out of it this year. Imagine them getting one of those top prospects too. Like it would just be completely unfair, you know, to just add another young, talented guy. And especially not knowing what the situation is going to be with Clay Thompson. And uh, the rumors are starting to swirl about Steph Curry and if he's going to stay happy there. And, you know, so you have to prepare yourself for the possibility that the, the Warriors might not be the same team. Uh, so, you know what? I would just take an L on this season, you know, rest uh, Steph Curry probably for the rest of the year, to be honest, because playing game to them, it's it's not going to be enough to, to take them to uh, – really far at all in, in, in the Western conference. And you know what, get a, get a nice pick out of it. Come back strong with those, you know, with clay and Steph and Draymond. And then a bunch of those young guys, like that team can do some damage next year. And worst case scenario. I mean, listen, you know, you start building for what could be the post Steph and clay era there in, in golden state. So I see no, no real incentive for them to keep trying to make the play in tournament. If I was them, they have enough, you know, in the, in the chamber to, to compete next year and, and beyond. So, you know what, you know, take your, take your ball and go home and, and, and try and get a good pick out of it. The only reason why I'm very hesitant to mention Golden State is because we gone, I think almost over nine, 10 months of not seeing Steph Curry on the floor. And I feel like Steph Curry in like a playing tournament, just imposing fear on other teams is something that would be worth watching for me. So that's why I kind of want to see Golden State go in there. And on top of that, too, you're right with regards to figuring out what the Warriors are going to do with their future, obviously with the with the draft pick that they would get. I see it being the opposite where they could potentially take that draft pick and maybe bundle it with some of the rotational players and, you know, like Wiggins or Oubre, where the case may be, and upgrade one of their positions to get maybe a, a disgruntled star that may not be an all-star, but good enough to kind of hold it, hold their own and revamp that Warriors offense. Obviously, once with, uh, you know, with Clay coming back and, and whatnot, right? So uh, maybe Golden State is already thinking of whichever first round pick that they get, regardless if it's a lottery or not. I feel like it's going to be something that's going to be shipped the other way to get another star in the mix with that said i kind of want to see what steph curry can do in the playing tournament it's going to be a lot of fun just to watch him play and 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 see what kind of fear he can impose for the remaining teams that are fighting for the seventh and eighth spot and part of me is itching to see what steph curry can do on the playing tournament 
Yeah. No, I mean, with Steph Curry, anything is possible, obviously. But, uh, yeah, like, I, I don't I don't see an incentive for him. I mean, he could have played probably most of last year if he hadn't gotten hurt. And, you know, he probably could have come back and, and still done some damage. But at this point, like, you know what? You know, get some rest and, and come back super strong next year. Yeah. And I think because, you know, Steph Curry really wanted to play in the bubble, but obviously his team wasn't good enough with the pandemic. It gave him all that time to rest up and get his, get his, I think he broke his hand, I think it was, right? And, yeah. you know, to get his hand back up and running, if we were able to see him in the bubble in that playing tournament, that would have been a whole nother level of Steph Curry that we haven't seen before. But to wrap it all up, uh, I do agree with you that there could be some intensive for them to tank. But a part of me, just from a fan perspective, just wants to see Steph Curry just wreak havoc. So we'll see where things go. Obviously, we still have, what, about you know 20 games left in the season. Uh, so we'll see how things progress. Yeah, and he's too competitive not to to just call it a day if he's not hurt. If he's not hurt, he's going to play. Exactly. The next question that we got is kind of interesting, and that is, what is your top five players to never win a ring? So for me... It's probably going to be very generic compared to other people's lists in terms of the greatest players that to never win a ring. And that composes of guys like Allen Iverson. I got the mailman, Carl Malone, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing. And if the fifth one is probably a wild card for me, probably between John Stockton. And shockingly, when I was looking to it, Elgin Baylor apparently hasn't won a championship. That was shocking to me, man. Yeah, and I had to confirm, and apparently that's the case. So I might have to put him as my number five over John Stockton, considering the type of player he was. Like, Elgin Baylor in that era where there's, like, what, like, 8 to 12 teams in the ABA, NBA, uh, and not being able to win a ring, being that great, kind of shocked me, to say the least. Yeah, I had found out that uh, the Lakers won a championship the year he retired. I think they they reeled off a couple straight actually once he retired. Uh, I believe he played against the Knicks when they won their championship way back when in '73. Uh, so yeah, to oh, see that he had never won a championship, yeah, that definitely a surprise. Uh, it's been a long time, my friend. It's been a very long time. But yeah, I mean, your your list is 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 very close to mine. Definitely, Patrick Ewing is number one for me to never win a championship. I mean, just they got so close twice and and they they couldn't do it. Allen Iverson. Probably one of the greatest players of all time to never win a championship. Uh, you know, they won the, that one game against the Lakers, and then the Lakers just stomped them out. But when you're Allen Iverson and you're bringing guys like Aaron, Eric Snow and Aaron McKee to the finals, I mean, your chances of winning a championship <laughs> are not very high. Yeah. Um, definitely the, uh, Charles Barkley, uh, for sure. When you played in the 90s, though, like a lot of these guys are guys who played in the 90s because Michael Jordan just completely dominated. Like, it's so unfair that all these guys are so good and they they didn't even sniff a championship. I mean, because Six Michael Jordan was in the that dominant. Six rings Six in a decade. Rings and if he didn't retire, he might have won every ring in the 90s besides 99. Like, yeah. I, I, I truly think that they, he could probably could have won 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, 97, and 98 straight. I don't think there's Eight any rings. doubt in my That's mind. Nuts. Eight rings in a row. Uh, so, you know, he gave Elijah Wan his, his, uh, his ring, and, uh, you know, that was, that was pretty much it, you know, in the 90s. Another guy I got to go with is definitely John Stockton. You know, I'm going to put John Stockton and Carmelo as one because they, they, they kind of count as one. Uh, they were on the same team, and, you know, they, they both really 
they made it so close a few times and they just couldn't do it. They couldn't overcome Jordan. Uh, another guy, Steve Nash, two-time MVP. Probably shouldn't have won two-time MVP, but that's another question to, to ask. But, uh, you know, he led those Phoenix Suns uh, to the Western Conference Finals and it just it just never got anywhere. He joined the Lakers when everyone thought Lakers had him and Howard and oh my God, and then they flamed out completely. So, uh, yeah, Steve Nash is another guy who... Uh, you wish could have won a championship as well uh and and current players chris paul as dominant as he's been uh you know he's he's never he's never been to the finals before and uh you know he deserves to i think now he has the phoenix suns balling out and they're one of the best teams in the west so maybe maybe this is his year but uh chris paul is one of those guys who you really wish could have won a championship i think yeah i definitely agree with that and i also think that the next slate of players that or greatest players, rather, that will never win a ring, I think are going to be composed of point guards. Like, the first couple of players that come to mind for me is Chris Paul, Westbrook, Damian Lillard. Those are some, you know, great top 15 talents, at least in today's NBA, to not potentially win a championship. Obviously, we can't read the future. They could potentially win something later on. But just based on what we see so far, I feel like because as it correlates to, you know, the NBA today being a point guard driven league, we're going to start to see that change occur, right? Because the list that we just spoke about is primarily composed of bigs. And then now in today's NBA, you're starting to see, you know, a trend where it's going to be composed of mostly great point guards. So I'm really interested to see how things turn out and from that aspect. And if we're talking with current players, you got to go with Carmelo Anthony too. Melo to God. I mean, Yo, you yeah, know, no doubt. He did it. He did it his way. He, he, he made his way to New York. Just couldn't, couldn't put a team together there. Uh, and you never heard him ask for a trade to the Lakers or the Nets or any of these like giant teams. You know, he, he first went to, uh, I believe, OKC and then, you know, he went off to Houston, but that time, you know, he wasn't the star that he was in New York and now he's in Portland and Portland's playing well, but you know, who knows if they're in championship contention. So Carmelo Anthony, I mean, gosh, I, I hope he wins one before, before the end, especially because his 2003 draft mates, LeBron, uh, Wade and Bosch, they all won a championship together and he's kind of the one guy left out. So And Darko Milicic won a ring in 2004 with the Pistons. <laughs> so Darko he's, won a he ring. up in the top five, yeah. Bully left out, yeah. So, like, he he deserves one too. I'm, I'm really hoping that's, you know, uh, if it is Portland this year, if it's not, I hope he plays another year and just, I know he, he doesn't seem like he's a ring chaser, but uh, I want to see him, you know, get that ring for sure. Medal to God. Yeah, I mean, if Mello ends up winning, then that takes Dame off the list as well. So it would be interesting. I, I definitely want to see Mello add that ring in addition to his four gold medals that he's collected over the course of his career. You know, that's that's definitely going to – well, he's definitely a Hall of Famer right now, but that will definitely put him in a, in a level of no other. So, oh, he's um, you know, shout out to Mello. Yeah, no, no doubt, no Mello. doubt. All right, so that wraps up Blog Boy Talk. And in addition to that, that wraps up our episode. So thanks again for tuning in. Don't forget to like, subscribe to our podcast, Gamepoint Pod on IG and Gamepoint Pod underscore on Twitter. We're both on Spotify and Apple platforms in addition to Google Podcasts as well. Add reviews if you can. That'll be greatly appreciated. With that said, do you have anything to add, Yasin, before we take off? Yes, guys, you can slide in our DMs. Just just don't slide in like KD. Uh, try and be a little more civil than KD. We will definitely respond to you, and we will not put you on blast. Oh, come on, man. 
We will not screenshot the DMs everywhere. You can say what you want, good things, bad things, hopefully all good things. Uh, yeah, slide in our DMs. Let us know what you think. Let us know. Let's hear from you guys. We're getting close to the to, to the nitty-gritty, man. Those playoff podcasts, that finals podcast, boy, like, come on. It is going to be incredible. Let's let's be on this journey together. And, you know, if people are going to slide in the DMs with that kind of energy, meet me on 15th Avenue, 10 a.m. I'll see you there, KD style. <laughs> let's get it. You already know the vibes. <laughs> All right, we love y'all. We're signing off. That's game.